0: Moms Unscripted is a production of Mops International. If you'd like to find a group near you, go to Mops.org forward slash group search. If you'd like to start a group, go to Mops.org forward slash a group.
1: All right, friends. Ruth Jo Simons is a best-selling and award-winning author of several books, including When Striving Cease grace laced beholding and becoming and foundations she's an artist entrepreneur and speaker using each of these platforms to spiritually sew the word of god into people's hearts through her online shop at GraceLaced and gracelaced.com and her social media community she shares her journey of god's grace intersecting daily life with word and art Ruth and her husband, Troy, are the parents to six boys, which is so fun to watch you on Instagram mm-hmm. with those young men. Man, mm. it is inspiring to watch how you guys are raising them up. So, Ruth, think, thanks so much for being here.
2: Oh, I love being here. Thank you all for having me.
1: Okay, yes. so basically let's talk about how you realized that you didn't have to keep striving because you could be the recipient of this undeserved yeah. grace from God. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I, um, grew up, um, Well,
2: I was born in Taiwan and came to the United States when I was four. And I can talk about my Asian upbringing and it wasn't necessarily even in my home, but the cultural context of my Asian upbringing really highly valued achievement and good grades and being the best at things. But the truth is my Western context of my new home and my new life also was the context in which I was made fun of when I brought fried rice to school, because Mm -hmm. listen, when you're when you're a kid um, and. And while well, I was in the 80s, it was definitely rainbow bread, bologna and American cheese. And I did not know to bring that because I had um, Chinese parents who packed me little yogurt cups, reuse yogurt cups with fried rice in it. And so I learned really soon, like really quickly that in order to belong, you had to look the part, be the part, uh, make sure that people liked you, that you would conform to all the things that everybody expected you to be. And, you know, I, I marvel at how much we think, Oh, wow, that's, you know, kind of her experience as someone coming from another culture, but really that's our experience. Every time we open up our phones and get on social media, we constantly have this issue of feeling like, do I belong here? Am I, do I measure up? Am I enough? And those questions, um, I saw those begin at a young age for me, but they certainly continued on year after year as I grew to be a young woman, wrestling the pressures of expectation and approval and and just wanting to have purpose in life.
1: Is that something that you continually have to kind of recalibrate even now? Like you never really get there, right? It's just like this constant process.
2: I, I think we all want a formula, and even though I actually worked this out in my adult life, so much so that I actually wrote a book about it, but the truth is there's nothing formulaic this side of heaven. We're actually wired to, to constantly think that we can control our circumstances, earn our way to things, and kind of manage things so that we will somehow um control our own lives and what everybody thinks of us. And that's just not, um, that's always going to leave us weary. It's always going to leave us, um, exhausted and disappointed. And I, I have to even now replace the wrong thinking with the right thinking mm-hmm. in
1: my everyday life. I am going to go off script a little. I'm curious yeah. if you ever see in your young boys that, that need, to strive and to work from a place of um, needing to control things rather than from a place of worth.
2: Yeah. So I can say for sure that in our everyday conversations at home, Troy and I are actively working to not instill a sense of you are what you do. We are actively trying to do some, the opposite of that because we we understand the grace of god now in our adult lives we understand that so yes we are absolutely trying to shape that narrative but it's it's very clear that we're all wired this way because even with a home that is actu- actively pursuing a um, conversation about worth in christ and not worth based on what we do i have boys coming home from school and even last night doing homework and having, this is a clear moment. I mean, I have my adult version of this, but this was a nine-year-old version. He's doing some assignment and he's doing it with Troy and he suddenly just completely breaks down in tears. And he's just like, I'm terrible at this. I completely can't do this. And everybody's going to make fun of me. Well, where did he get that? Right? I mean, this was A total breakdown over the pressure that somehow he's going to show up at school and not be good at this. And he's going to experience ridicule or he's going to not feel like he measures up. And so, I mean, truth be told, there's a grown up Ruth Simons version of that, right? I (laughs) mean, I might not throw a fit and cry or I might. Um, (laughs) and, And it may not look just like that but there's a version of that when I feel like I'm not enough for something God's called me to, or I feel like I don't measure up or I'm terrified that I'm going to disappoint all because I think that I am what I do. And so, yeah, that's something that I have to work against um, in myself and in my home. And regularly I have to say out loud, boys, mama wrestles with this too. I struggle Mm. with those feelings. And so I want you to know what I do. I have to remind myself that God doesn't see me by what I do and how well I nail it on this assignment or any other assignment. I have to remind myself what, what, who God is and what he says about who I am.
0: So before you hopped on Ruth, we were having kind of a, um, vulnerable conversation about these topics of letting go of striving, of trying to find, um, maybe even balance within our lives and how elusive that feels to so many of us because of the practical realities of life. And then like some of the people that we witness in our lives that are doing well, are having to, or that we perceive to be doing well, are, um, are having to work and work and work just to kind of keep the ship afloat. And right. So I understand the whole concept of not wanting to do that hard working from your worth. I also understand as someone once told me that working from anxiety is not the same thing as working hard, mm-hmm. right? But talk to us about, um, like it just feels like this idea of ever being able to um, create balance or um, yeah, just stop striving. Yeah, is It just seems incredibly elusive in a practical way. Right, so could you totally. speak into that? Could you speak into that? Yeah, did I ask and that? Did I ask that? Perfectly. Good, okay, perfectly. no,
2: that's a really good question because here's the thing: if it didn't work, if striving didn't work, if striving in our own strength was completely worthless, we wouldn't be doing it. It actually kind of <laughs> works. It works because when you hustle real hard and you don't rest and you constantly stay up all night trying to strategize your life at some level it works a little bit you get a little bit further ahead and you Mm. get this nice little um you know spike of adrenaline you're like wow see like i feel good about myself i got a little ahead and then you do it again and you do it again and maybe you achieve something and maybe you get a paycheck or maybe you get a promotion but at some point it feels empty and you wear out and that's why there's this endless cycle and almost like a hamster wheel of hustle and striving because unless you keep way ahead and constantly just hustle a little harder, you can't replicate that um, that need to feel accomplished and need to feel successful. So I think you're right in saying um, it's elusive because at some level it works. But here's the thing. Mm. I think what you just described is such a good um, starting point that it's there's a difference between working hard out of anxiety. What you just said is there's a difference between working hard from anxiety and working hard um, out, simply because you want to work hard. And right. the way I would frame that up is to say that striving, this idea of striving really can be well-defined as, for me, as anxiously manipulating or maneuvering and trying to control things so that I achieve or gain something. I really think I need, whether it's physical or comfort or approval, whatever it is, achieve or gain something that I think I need must have that I don't trust God to provide. Mm. And so therefore, if that's our definition of striving, then my way of describing exactly what you're saying here is to say, if you think your treasure And happiness is on the other side of getting people's approval or scaling your business or being acknowledged for what you do or having a hundred thousand more followers on Instagram, whatever it is, or having obedient children, perfect home. If you, if that's your treasure and you think your happiness is on the other side of having that, then you will be running very exhausted, running constantly to try to gain your treasure. And it will always feel like you can never arrive at it. Hmm. But if you are working hard or striving, but out of a place where you already have what you truly need, your true treasure. And for us who are Christ followers, we can, we don't mean we maybe don't always feel this way, but let me remind us of the truth that we all know to be true is that if our true treasure is that, wow, I have more than I deserve. I have been saved by Christ from my own consequences of sin. And, and, and I am not removed from his presence, but I'm given access to a holy God. If my true treasure is that I've been made a new creation and I don't have to be stuck in the ways that I've always been. And if my true treasure is it because of being in Christ, I have heaven to look forward to. And it's not all empty and meaningless. If that's my true treasure, then suddenly I tackle my inbox, that long conversation with my kids, that um, difficult conflict I had to work through. I tackle everything I had to do from a place of, okay, my true happiness is not threatened. I have what is truly my true treasure. So everything I do, I can work hard and run with fervor because i'm stewarding well from a place of rest and actual joy not chasing something thinking that if i don't get it i'll never be happy do you see the difference there like it's a difference between running and striving fueled by grace the grace of god freely given to us or striving thinking that if i strive a little harder i'll have favor and have grace those are two totally different postures in which we work. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I always like looking at the books that authors and artists put out and look at the order because it really kind of almost gives you the arc of their story because normally they're mm-hmm. writing about what's going on in their lives. They might be mm-hmm. titling it or making up characters that are portraying people that, you know, there's mm-hmm. always something there. But I'm curious in, sure. that, in that great journey that you have been through, what now are you striving for or running after? Or what does that look like now for yeah. you? Mm. Because I think the lens that a lot of people have is they'll they'll see you and like, man, successful, like clearly mm. a lot of books, beautiful family, like that man, that's what I want to strive for. But really, what does that look like in your in your everyday life right now? Mm. Especially mm. now that yeah. you've written a book about it. <laughs>
2: Well, I love that Matt, we met a long time ago. So you actually know some of my earlier books, you know, an earlier season of my life, um, when striving ceased, this story of how I understood the grace of God as to be truly transformative and not just like a cliche thought—that um, should have probably come first, because that book is the is a cornerstone to all the other devotional books I've written. It was the most personal book, personal story, but it came a little after all these gift books that I wrote that were like gifts to others mm-hmm. um, of me just sharing devotions and artwork. But you know, if I'm truly honest, I would say this is a lifelong journey of learning how to persevere. These are the truths that I have to remind myself every day because life is hard. It's hard because behind the scenes, when the lights are um, not on and you're not on stage and you're not, it's not all twinkly, you still have to deal with broken hearts at home or a marriage that needs time and conversations and healing and confession and working through things. You have to deal with extended family issues and children who in every season have new needs that you didn't anticipate the season before as a mama um, of a 20 year old and a nine year old. You can see, I have several seasons going on. We have two in college, two in high school and two um, in still the little years, but I'm being stretched in ways that I never thought possible. And truly for all that is publicly seen as successful and good work, the temptation is to just keep on producing. The temptation is to keep speaking out of what already works or keep writing exactly what everybody wants you to write about. But the truth is our very best offerings to anybody the best thing I could say or do or offer will always come out of the overflow of a life already lived in that before I try to produce out of that and so to answer your question Matt, like honestly I think that where I have to be in check in my own heart right now in the season of my career and in the season of my life is to not strive to maintain a success But to rather say, okay, the very best thing I could ever offer is ultimately going to be from living out the words that I want to write, living those out first and working those out in the messy places of my life. And so that takes a lot of surrender instead of striving. That takes a lot of saying, okay, I don't have all the answers and I don't have the most pithy, wonderful, amazing one-liner to offer the world. I'm going to have to work that out in my own heart before I could ever turn that into something produce, produced or created for mass market. Um, I think in any industry, but especially in a content-driven industry, we have to really be in check that even good content, good material um, can, out, can come from either a place of surrender or a place of striving. Mm. And um, we always know that striving and putting content that is a little too prematurely placed out there um, lacks a lot of power and lacks um, some of the transforming power that it could have if we let it soak, sit, marinate, and have some time.
1: When do you know that a message is ready? Like, when do you know that that content is mm-hmm. at a place where it's like, this is. Because you have to all share. other authors.
3: In, yeah, in, in, in <laughs> like, tell us your secrets. Yeah, because they also yeah. write books. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, when you think about this industry, whether it be speaking on a stage or writing a book or posting something on social media, um, the schedule never stops. If you can call it a content calendar, you could call it a publishing schedule. If you're a speaker, you're booked out to one or two years in advance, it never ends. And so I think a lot of it is that as a content creator or anyone who's trying to speak words of wisdom and into anybody else's life, you have to be really good at assessing your own life. You have to kind of peel back the layers and be willing to say, okay, is this something where the people closest to me have heard me work out in a very honest and vulnerable way? Or is this something I've only worked out on the internet or only worked out um, with an editor? Have have my children see, seen this played out? Would they be able to finish the sentence that I start? If I start talking about something, would they be able to say, if I say, you know, the gospel, wow, the gospel, well, everybody in my life would probably say, well, Ruth would say the gospel changes everything, would, that the grace of God absolutely transforms her life. Well, you say that enough and you're working that out enough and you're applying it enough in your everyday life that the people closest to you would say, yeah, that's what she's about. That's what she's really lived out. And I usually wait for, um, those moments for somebody to be able to join me in the conversation. So I'm not the only one talking in the room to know that that's been a conversation that's been lived out long enough for it to be something I can really share and, um, know that it's not something that I'm, um, Prematurely trying to Mm -hmm. put out in the world, right? Well,
3: and I'm curious how much Troy plays a part in that. And the main reason why, well, let me just—he's a stud. I've met him in person. (laughs) If you've seen the photos, looks even better. So, like, he's—he's a really good dude. Very kind and compassionate. Um, I know. Oftentimes, my wife is my biggest support, biggest cheerleader. Always the one that I can work stuff out with. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes in this context of striving, um, I think you've kind of already said it is we try to do it on our own. And I think that oftentimes we say, well, we need to go to God with that. But also we sometimes neglect the person that's right next to us (laughs) in that. And so how, how, what kind of role does Troy play in that for you?
2: Mm. I love that you asked that. Um, You know, I, I always call him um, the chief encouragement officer at (laughs) Grace Lace or in my ministry. Right. He really is the shepherd to all that I do. And I don't, I can't think of an Instagram post that I've not had him read first Mm -hmm. um, because I like to be accountable. I want, I mean, I, I don't work with my, my employees are not in my home when I'm writing an Instagram post most of the time. And so I, usually have one of my children read it over if i'm writing about them i talk about it with them like hey am i describing um what it's really like does this what you see mama mm-hmm. doing um i i don't want them ever to happen upon my words and go huh an interesting way she put that that's not my experience i never want that to be the mm-hmm. case and so troy actually pre-reads every single thing i write and usually my instagram posts get sent to my assistant as well as troy and then work both of them speak back to me about like is that doctrinally true am i absolutely pointing to jesus about if i'm talking about jesus am i pointing to him am i accurate about this but also like i do life with these people is this actually what's going on and so in that sense absolutely he's um shepherd gatekeeper all those things but you know he's also a bit of a mirror and he holds up a a (laughs) nice and uncomfortable mirror to me. And we do that for each other. Um, I think the antidote to striving is humility. It's humility because in order to receive the grace of God, which I talk about a lot, like grace is the antidote to striving, but in order to receive grace, you actually have to have enough humility to surrender we, back to the word surrender, right? You can't be sitting there thinking that you're the hero of your whole life and you're at, you're the the one in control and that you're the one that holds all things together. And you're the boss that knows all the right answers. You can't really do that and lay your strivings down. You actually have to have enough humility to say, I'm not the boss. I don't know everything. And I need somebody else to point out where I need to grow. And so yeah, Troy and I say some uncomfortable things to one another, mm-hmm. really uncomfortable things sometimes um, and you know I'm not always the most beautiful person to him and he's not always the the most amazing person to me and yet what we do for one another is we point each other to Christ and we say okay I see this going on in your life and that attitude or that short temperedness whatever it is and for us to be able to say He's been placed, in, for me to be able to recognize that my husband has been placed in my life so that I could be guarded from the deception of thinking that I know, I know what's best. I know everything that I need to do in my life um, according to my own plan. He points things out that keep me from striving and being blinded by my own idols, you know, an idol, mm-hmm. idols of success or idols of right. achievement or idols of um, self-empowerment. He has a big role in that.
0: It sounds like Ruth that um, I love that you shared this about the even an Instagram post, the what it goes through to go out into the mm-hmm. world, which which are all um, safety safety mechanisms to make sure that your life is congruent. That's what I'm hearing. That you're, yeah. that who you are living behind closed doors and who you are to your public is a, con- is a seamless person is congruent. I mean, maybe your hair looks a little better when you're going to be on TV, but
1: probably the message, right?
3: She's like false. Your
0: Actually, your hair is exceptional today. And I, I would like to believe that it's sometimes it's up in a clock clip, you know, maybe once <laughs> in a while, but no, but I think to um, to do that consistently, that kind of work, to stay congruent and to stay, you know, in reality with yourself and with your audience, I think that actually... That takes a lot of work behind the scenes and in your own heart, it it takes time. That takes time to listen to God and stay grounded and communicate with your people. Uh, Mandy asked this question of another guest the other day, and I thought it was really helpful because it's brass tacks. But would you be willing to answer the question, what does your day, how do you order your day? Because how you order your day is actually how we're receiving this seamless congruent version of Ruth and it starts there though. Right. And I think that's such a good question and a place where a lot of women are struggling. Like I I don't even know how to break down the hours of my days. I'm so curious with six kids and a husband and a successful business and, 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 how do you order your day?
2: Well, I will start by confessing a really freeing thought for everyone here, that I feel like I am one of the most disorganized people that is always, (laughs) I doubt it. I really ought to be exercising more. I really, well, so let me just paint a yes. picture before we talk about how I order my day. Let me just confess and say yesterday I got to the end of the day and I had not read my Bible and I drank my first glass of water at 6 PM. First glass. I, I was operating on a grande Americano that uh, my husband brought home because we were out of coffee beans. And um, at lunch, I barely had time in between and I did one of those Costco um, noodles in a cup. It was hot water poured on. And that was literally what I was fueled by all day long. And I got to 6 PM and I said, this is not a very healthy life. This is, <laughs> this is like, a, this is like maybe it okay for today, but I had not, really talked to my kids i had not talked to god and i had not drank water and i definitely did not get my steps in so let me just say that right off the bat that nobody orders their days perfectly every day good intentions like i mean so no matter how you hear somebody else do their life know that nobody that gets it right every day and there are seasons like this particular one that i'm in it's fourth quarter at grace Lakes and a book promotion season i am i am slammed right and so there's grace for that too but to answer the heart of your question i i think that it's important to say there are special there are important things um you know that illustration where you talk about getting big rocks in first to make rooms for room for little rocks i do think that no matter whether you get it right every day or not um, it is important to know what your big rocks are where, You know, to get those priorities in. And for me, um, I'll get pretty specific and just tell you this is how most days go. Most days I wake up and the first thing I feel, first thing in the morning before I even literally get out of bed is I feel this tightening in my chest and I go, oh my goodness, I don't think I have what it takes for my life today. Aww. Straight up truth. I'll just be honest. The first thing that comes across my mind is, I am gonna let somebody down today because I have so much on my plate and I cannot believe, I can't even. That's usually what I say first thing in the morning. So before I even get out of bed, I lay there and this is not like some weird, this is not some weird exercise. You don't have to do it, this is the exact way. But I, I literally do not even touch my phone. I mean, I might touch it to see what time it is. And usually it's too early. I got up before I should have, but I'll just lay there and I literally talk to the Lord first thing in the morning. So this is what I say. Um God, you, you kind of you already know. You already know that the first thought in my head wasn't like, Good morning, Lord, it was actually I can't even. So I usually start off by day having a conversation with the Lord about, okay, before I even get started today, I'm gonna replace some some words here because um Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, and this is a quote that i I'm gonna butcher, but I've known for years and really what spurred me on to like doing a whole study and teaching on preaching truth to yourself. But he was known to say did you know that somebody's talking to you first thing in the morning? Like nobody's formed these words in your mind. You're you are talking to yourself. And that's exactly what's going on. And so unless you replace what is already forming in your mind with something else that's true, you're gonna start your day off with a narrative that usually sounds something like, you're not the girl for the job, oh my goodness, you're gonna let people down, how in the world can you handle the stress? You're failing already and the day haven't hasn't even started. are the honest truths that those are the honest things that go in my mind unless i replace them with truth so the first thing i do in the morning is and this is why it's important to actually hide the word in your heart because it's important to start the day off with who am i really who is god it's important for me to be able to um to quote colossians and say okay god says in him all things hold together this is not in ruth all things hold together Mm -hmm. so i start with that reminder i start with a reminder that he is faithful and his mercies are new every morning these are really this is not just a pretty um a little on the nose here but this is not just a pretty grace-laced print that reminds us that lamentations 323 says that uh, his mercies are new every morning this is the actual truth that we preach to ourselves and i have to do that before my feet even touch the floor and then from there Most times because I have employees on the East Coast and sometimes because I work on Instagram, I have to be ready for a live before people have even had their coffee. So most of the time I am actually doing my hair and like getting ready first thing in the morning. And so I go ahead because I know that my eyes are still doing this. I play audio Bible so that he's speaking to me before anybody else does. So that's a natural rhythm for me. I, I personally use um, the Crossway ESV every day in the Word reading plan and just it sends it to my inbox. It's ready to go. And I just play and I start brushing my teeth and I let the Word be the first thing that fills my heart. It's not a deep study. I'm not searching the Word in Greek and doing cross references. This is just hearing from the Lord. And from there, I go downstairs. And most of the time, because Troy's amazing, he's already had guy time with the boys. They've been reading the Bible together, not like together, but like in the same room. Um, they just, he's down there before they even wake up. So they come down and there's already a place of welcome and the coffee brewing. They have their time together. I'm not that pleasant. So I'm usually not coming down (laughs) until later, but, um, we really spend time around the table we try to even with the craziness of mm-hmm. school and running out the door our kids um are we we've got four who are in school right and some are doing shared school one's doing homeschool one two are in private school so that morning routine's nuts i mean there's like lunches being packed people screaming that they don't have clothes that are clean we're not talking like all peace and quiet here um it's a different rhythm but even then just valuing the time where we all say like hey let's have a quick meeting this morning like what's going on with the day what are some important things to remember together that helps me remember that the first people that i serve each day really are in my home that the most important conversations i'm going to have are really going to be what i send my kids out into the world with and what i say to my my husband and what we're what is our like what's team Simon's going to do about this day that we've been given. So we kind of have a team meeting first thing in the morning. And then from there, um, gosh, it is like all hands on deck. We are tackling everything from homeschooling, which my husband takes the majority of these days, um, we don't have enough time, but in previous seasons, I was a homeschooling mama. He was a headmaster of school, but in this particular season, I am the one that runs the company. He's the one that helps steward their education or runs them to the things that they need to be at. And then both of us put in a lot of office hours with grace-laced through the middle of the day. And so when I talk about my rhythms, I would also say every day, there's a time of day where the phone is turned off and every week there is a at least one day where I'm out of cell range. And that is a rhythm that is really important Mm -hmm. because if I am completely out of cell range or I delete an app, that is when some really good conversations happen because as you know, the internet never stops and there's always something, the tyranny of the urgent is always chasing us down. There's always something to respond to. So those are some of my rhythms Mm -hmm. every day. Thank you. Yeah, it's really good.
0: I love that you said creating a place of welcome when your boys come down um, in the morning. I love even just that image is beautiful. I made
1: a note of that as well. I love that. Did you? Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's something about that that spoke to me. Like whatever that means in your home and to your people, that's a beautiful concept.
3: Having been in in their home, I can say that there's a lot of intentionality behind Mm -hmm. what you guys do. And I think that that was that was something that obviously I was kind of floating around filming different things, trying to make sure the lighting was great and all of that. But really, I was also listening to the conversations you guys were having with your boys. And Mm. the intentionality is what really stuck with me and something that I try and do every um, every time I'm at the dinner table with my family. Mm. And it was great just seeing that represented, because I think what you're saying, it's. I I really appreciate you being open and honest about how the day might not go as well as everyone had thought. But the the reality is you have set certain things that are intentional in your life to make sure that no matter what path you started on, you're going to end somewhere where you wanted to be by the end of the day. And that level of intentionality is, I think, what really can help drive all of that. So it's like it might not necessarily be intentionality with – I've got this set perfect thing every morning. yeah. But you do, you you guys are intentional of where you want to end up by the end of
2: it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that you use that word intentionality. I think for some people, um, for a recovering striver, the word intentionality could almost feel, sometimes for some, oppressive. Like, oh my goodness, I'm not intentional enough. I'm not present enough. And so I would also just say, we could also recall, like, look at it from a different angle because I think the word is perfectly true and good, but another way to look at it is also just to say, don't underestimate little moments. I think that's an easier way to put it because that's what intentionality is. Intentionality is like, yes, being directed towards where you wanna end up, but also recognizing that little steps along the way make a huge impact. Not thinking that you're gonna write every relational issue by taking your kids on a date. Oh, that might be great. Yes, an ice cream date, a big date night out. That would be super fun and wonderful. But you could also do the dishes together and have an intentional conversation by just looking for teachable moments. I think Troy loves to say, as someone with a teaching background, he loves to say, more is caught than taught. And so I think sometimes as parents, we might think, okay, I can I can strategize this day or I can... Um, create what I want in my home by legislating and saying, we will do this here and we will make it like this. And these are the rules when really, I think we model more of that. Like more of it is caught through us modeling the conversation or saying, even this ride, this drive down into town to go pick up milk and eggs. This is important for me to have a conversation with you. I don't have to multitask right now. So that is intentionality, but it's also really making the most of even small moments Mm -hmm. and they go a long way.
1: So speaking of small moments, we have a holiday season coming up upon us and you have a beautiful new book called Emmanuel. Can you talk about how that might impact our small moments and help really reframe Mm -hmm. the holiday season for us and our families?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, now that we've talked a little bit about my background and my story, you can imagine what um, somebody like me might struggle with in the holidays where it might feel like, wow, if I just got all new decor and that gold <laughs> silverware and had the right uh-huh. parties and uh-huh. de- decorated my house, just if everybody could perfectly karate chop that downfield pillow the right way, I w- might be happy. Or what about that hot chocolate bar I pinned on Pinterest? five years in a row and have never made, right? But there's a little pressure. There. There's a little pressure. I feel like and I we, could sob right now, Ruth. I just feel like I could oh, we, we get each other. So listen, I, I, I had to write a slightly different Christmas journey because here's the thing that I was wrestling with. I was wrestling with the fact that as a recovering striver, somebody who knew that, it's, it's not that you can't have nice decor or a great party or want things to go well, But that crash that happens on December 26th when suddenly you're like, why do I feel like life is empty and there's nothing to live for? Like that weird feeling that (laughs) comes over you when the dead of winter settles in and it's not pretty anymore. It's just like muddy snow and not pretty snow. Or when the Christmas tree is put away and you're like holding on to the last little bit of magic. I listen to myself sometimes and I go, oh, my goodness, you act as if the magic of Christmas comes and goes with the twinkle lights when Emmanuel, the name of Christ Jesus means God with us. Mm-hmm. How are we putting so much pressure on the Advent season, the Christmas season? Why are we thinking that, that we're celebrating that season? We act as if the celebration is about that season when really the season is a reminder of the celebration in our hearts all year round. So that's what the the journey is about. It's 25 days of not actually um, necessarily about how we can celebrate Christmas more, but rather how we can slow down enough to understand the arc and the story of why Emmanuel God with us matters. Why this is the season that we remember what will transform our lives the rest of the year. No, my, my hope is, of course, for you to read this book, December 21 through December 25th. But the pressure isn't there to light the candle just right, sing just the right songs, or make sure your family sits perfectly with their hands folded. No, it's that we might engage and experience God with us. And that January 1 or February 16, random days of the year, will feel just as full of Christ as the Christ. Christmas season, right? Well, if we say Jesus is the reason for the season, he's not going anywhere after (laughs) December 25th. That's
0: great. That's so good. That's so good. Are we ready to bring it home, Manders? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So Ruth, a question that we love to end with, with all of our guests is the following. What is motherhood teaching you in this season? We'd love to have you answer that.
1: Mm.
2: Motherhood is teaching me that I have to go first. That I can't expect to see something they can't be they can't become what they don't see. And so I have to model for them um what it looks like to apologize and say that I'm wrong. I if I want them to walk with Jesus, I need to show them that I need Jesus too. So um in every season I have one that's um, about to graduate from college and one that is trying to figure out how to deal with a girl on the playground, you know, in all these areas um, I have to go first and I can't expect to argue with Troy and hold, you know, hold fast to how right I am if I want them to learn humility in conflict themselves. And so, yep, it's going first and modeling it every step of the way.
1: Hmm. Brilliant. So, so so great. Rue, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always such a gift to hear from you. Thank you, friends. Thanks for having me. Hey friends, thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash moms Unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another unscripted conversation around the Mops table.